Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the Singles Podcasting Network. Today, I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything that concerns today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Single Living is hosted by Rich Goss, a well-respected expert in the singles industry. He is the author of eight books on dating and has lectured on the subject in over 50 colleges and universities. Rich is frequently interviewed by the news media, including Oprah, CNN, Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal, to name just a few. And now, here's the host of Single Living, Rich Goss. My guest today is Regina Lynn, who writes the weekly Sex Drive column at Wired.com and is the author of The Sexual Revolution 2.0. Mary Claire magazine called her one of the top five sex experts in the United States, and she has been featured in the New York Times, Fox News, Newsweek, Playboy Radio, etc. Welcome, Regina. Hey. What is The Sexual Revolution 2.0? It is what's happening all around us right now. It is all of the technology that's coming together to enhance our sex lives, our love lives, all these tools that we have now to explore our own sexuality, to deepen our connection with our partners, and to meet people that we ordinarily would have never met. And why do you say that? Why would we not normally have met these people if it were not for this revolution? Well, in my case, one of them, it was because I live in urban California, and my lover lived in rural Georgia. <laughs> But we had a true meeting of the minds in a chat room, and we found out we read the same books, we liked the same music, we connected on a whole lot of different ways, and then we connected on even more ways when I went out to visit. <laughs> right, but it's hard to keep a relationship going that's almost 3,000 miles away, isn't it? It is, but at the same time, my very first long-term adult relationship was long distance. We saw each other every weekend. Mm -hmm. That was before instant message and really before email. Yes. I had email because I had a very tech-savvy family, but um, no one else did, so yes. I didn't have anyone to talk to. Uh, and I do think that, I mean, I don't just think, I know for sure the technology we have and the advances we're making has so much to do with facilitating communication. And while long distance is still more difficult for some people than close distance. For other people, it's ideal. Well, sure. <laughs> the, you, you don't see each other too often. You're not underfoot. Right. But you can do, you know, instead of just the nightly phone call, you can do a nightly webcam call uh -huh. and see each other. You can right. control uh, sex toys for each other over the internet. You, you can, can really do, do that over the internet? Are you serious? Oh, yes, you can. Wow. Yes, you can. Amazing. <laughs> But needless to say, this isn't what your grandmother taught you about romantic relationships. You know what? In some ways it is. Because what my grandmother taught me was respect, communication, and connection are the ingredients of a good, solid, stable, healthy, romantic relationship. She did not mention hooking the uh, vibrator to your computer so that your <laughs> husband, when he's traveling, can control your vibrator from his hotel room. But, wow. you know, she was Irish Catholic. <laughs> yes. Well, fortunately or unfortunately, she's not around to listen to this podcast. She That's might be right. a little bit shocked. Oh, she's looking over my left shoulder. 
But I can tell you that I can get away with so much. My mom never could. Yes. But my grandma was very supportive of everything I've ever done in my career and my really? life. Yeah. So Sexual Revolution 2.0 means that you now have uh, the freedom to do a lot of things that uh, definitely were literally impossible to do even a few years ago. Yes. And for the book, or for my, my beat at Wired and my, my mission of showing people the options. You know, I don't go out there and say, you have to use this, or ooh, if you're, if you're truly um, a sexually liberated person, you have to do this. That's, that's not me. My thing is, let me show you what there is. Try it. If you don't like it, that's fine, but great to have the option. I sort of define it as about the past 10 years when AOL and the World Wide Web brought the internet into everybody's home or, or consumers and regular people, not just the techie people. Because if you look over human history, we actually have a millennia-long history of developing tools to make sex better and to have more sex. Now, can you comment a little bit about that? Uh, let's go through the history of sex. Sure. What, what kind of tools have evolved over the centuries? Have you heard of the Venus of Willendorf? The Venus of Willendorf is one of our oldest artifacts and it's about a palm-sized sculpture of a very fertile-looking woman with large breasts, a large belly, wide hips. Uh, but she's very soft. This, the whole sculpture is very soft. And she has been thought of as some sort of religious fetish for fertility and sex. But it, uh, scientists have also proposed that she might have been one of our earliest sex toys. Really? Um, I know some archaeologists in, I think, France... Last year, it was the big story. They unearthed a dildo <laughs> that was 28,000 years old. My Lord. Do you remember Robin Williams was in that movie, The, uh, the Dead Poets Society? Yes, I remember that one. You know, and his big line was, why was language invented? To woo women. <laughs> Sooner or later, every new technology we come up with, we find a way to have sex with it. And <laughs> our sex, sex drive is such a creative drive that I'm not surprised that we channel our creativity into, you know, a lot of new technology comes into the mainstream from adult and from sex. Now, isn't there a danger, Regina, though, that people are going to substitute this virtual kind of sex or this long-distance sex over the phone? They're going to substitute that for real face-to-face -face human interaction? Would you? <laughs> well, I wouldn't do that, but I hear that there there are literally millions of people out there that don't have a real romantic relationship with anybody face-to-face, -face, that everything is done over the Internet, everything is email, and uh, they, they don't have real sex, they just have virtual sex. And it, it, I don't like to use pejorative terms, but it really does sound a little bit sick to me to not have the real thing, to just go for a substitute over cyberspace. Well, I, having been there in those virtual communities and stuff, I can tell you that a lot of the people who are, have very active social and sexual lives online yes. have the same offline. Okay. I also think that it doesn't hurt anybody. And let's say you're somebody who is painfully shy or you're really unconfident about your looks right. or you are, for whatever reason, you're just not someone who gets attention out in the world. How yes. wonderful to have this way to connect with people that doesn't force you to go outside. I think the online world, in my experience, has been much more accepting of a lot of things, of quirks, of personality, of 
the things that we all worry about, like, am I too fat? Am I too short? Am I too hairy? Do I have too many pimples? Blah, 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 blah. Yes. That doesn't really matter online either. Well, that is the beauty of, of online relationships, I guess. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that are scared to death of going to a singles bar, let's say, but they can still have fun on their computer and interact with people. And tell me this, if you're talking eight hours a day with somebody on the computer versus you shouted with somebody over the loud noise, breathing smoke in a bar. Yes. Which of those people do you have more in common with? You know, my yes. friend out there in Georgia, we talked about books, music, politics, the world, philosophy, history, everything. And I've never really done the bar scene because I don't want to hang out with a bunch of people who are drinking or the only reason we're there at the same time is we like the decoration and, you know, it's happy hour from five to seven. All right. I think your chances of finding someone you can truly connect with are much better online than bars. Now, you use the phrase sex tech a lot. And what yes. do you mean by that? <laughs> That's my short form of everything that has to do with connecting romantically or lovingly or sexually with other people or any kind of technology we can use for our sex and love lives. Otherwise, it, it would be too long to explain that every time. Yes. But I am trying to sort of create the term because I've been writing this column for three years. And the more I look, the more there is. Yes. Now, you also talk a lot about how online romantic or sexual interaction can actually benefit your offline interaction. How does that happen? Oh, definitely. I think online interaction is such a boon for introverted people who... Uh, really do like to talk and connect with other people but don't have the desire or the ability or for some reason they just don't want to go up. I mean, I'm very extroverted, so if I'm at a party or I'm out at a bar or wherever I am, anywhere where there's a group of people and I'm thinking, oh, I feel like talking to people, I just walk up and say, hi, I'm Regina. Right. Stick out my hand and, you know, ta-da, now I have 10 new best friends. Online, there's not that pressure, you know, you can just, people can go in and start talking, but you have these positive interactions online. I've always been pretty confident in a social situation, but I became a lot more relaxed just interacting with people in general because I was practicing all the time. Yes. And online interaction truly is a relationship. It may be through virtual space and it may be facilitated by the technology, but you're not relating to your computer. You are relating to another person or other people depending on where and the circumstances. Yes. And what technologies do you recommend singles experiment with? Well, it, you know, it's one of those things where it really depends on your goals. Uh, singles have a big advantage over couples when it comes to exploring some of the online community, webcam chat, even teledildonics, which is where you control each other's vibrators over the computer, because... You don't have to wrestle with that, am I cheating? Is this other person going to get jealous? Am I going to fall in love with the person online because I'm spending all my time with her instead of all my time with my partner? Now, isn't there a danger of that, though, Regina? I mean, you see the movies, of course, say they like to really publicize this idea that... Everybody that... loves the fear. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, of course, of course, because you are connecting with another person and because, by definition... If you're interacting online, it's because you're in the mood to interact and to talk. And yes. one thing that happens when you live with someone and your partners is sometimes you don't want to talk or interact. You want solo time. So you yes. go in another room or you go out to the library or something. So one thing for women is when you're online, there's an endless 
stream of men who feel like talking. And if one decides he doesn't feel like talking anymore and he leaves, there's another one who comes on. So you can just talk and talk and talk. Yes. It's so great. <laughs> well, it's a tr tremendous thing for women, obviously. <laughs> they have the advantage in every chat room because they're the ones that are being pursued. And there's uh, always an infinite number of men, it seems, that are interested in having it sex It seems talk. like it, although I have to say that now that everybody's online, there's a smaller percentage of men who actually women want to talk to. I mean, there are men who go in there and they just, they're like, you want a cyber? And if you don't, they're gone. And a lot of women, that's not what they're there for. They're there to talk. And for those first. of our listeners who haven't cybered before, can you tell <laughs> us what that means? <laughs> you know, since my day, which was, I don't know, a few years ago, it's changed because now with audio and video in the chat rooms, there isn't as much pressure to text. But what it generally is, is when two or more people write a sexual experience together. You're co-writing an erotic experience and it may or may not involve anything physical happening on your end, but a lot of people do masturbate or at least touch themselves or have some sort of sensual feelings going on with it. And I, I presume the video cameras are recording all of this. If you have your webcam on, sure. <laughs> so this is a lot different than the old sock hop in terms of interacting with the opposite sex. Uh, I imagine so. Yes, but I've got to say I've had cyber sex in my socks, so maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> what kinds of obstacles do singles have to overcome in order to find love nowadays? Well, with the online dating, it's twofold. One, for a while there was this big gold rush where everyone went on and they filled out their profiles and they were meeting up for dates, meeting up to find relationships, or just meeting up for sex. I call that an internet flyby. Nothing yes. wrong with that. I'm wondering now if a lot of people have paired up there's less of a growth, obviously, in online dating services because, I mean, if they work, people pair up and they don't use them anymore. There are two main obstacles, and one is the idea, you develop the shopping or this catalog mentality. So if something isn't perfect with the person you've just met or the person you've been seeing for a couple months, you kind of, it's pretty tempting to just be like, eh, never mind, I'll just click to the next page and find someone else. Right. And nothing's going to be perfect and part of a perfect relationship is enjoying the imperfections sure. um, and then two is there are a lot of different dating sites out there now and I found the personals at Nerve or Salon and all the alternative weekly papers they all use Spring Street networks and you get a more alternative geeky funky intellectualized type of community there versus Match or Yahoo which are much more and American Singles which are more everyman you know, and then very specific, like Date My Pet for pet yes. lovers and Biker Kiss for motorcyclists. So there's kind of a lot to sift through to find the place where you're most likely to meet people like yourself. or like You know, you, you know what I've noticed, Regina? It seems like the more options there are, the more choices there are out there, the more people <laughs> wind up being alone with nothing. I think what happens is you date for a while and then you get fed up and then you just sort of give it all up. You, you have some friends maybe that you made that you flirt with over IM, but you're just like, you know, I'm just happy in my life and everything's fine and, and that's right. fine. And then somebody wanders in like you met at the grocery store and asks you out and suddenly you have this boyfriend. Right. <laughs> that's what happened to me. <laughs> really? You, you did find a boyfriend in the supermarket? Uh, not in the supermarket actually, but kind of accidentally because I was perfectly content on a dating hiatus you know, just kind of flirting online or going out sometimes, but not. I wasn't looking for anyone and uh, didn't expect anyone to look for me. But then all of a sudden I had this boyfriend. 
So, so can you tell us uh, the, what really happened there? I mean, how you met him or where or under what circumstances? Um, we were in a email discussion group. And a lot of people hook up online outside of online dating. We were in a motorcycle enthusiast's online discussion group that served two purposes. One was um, it was L.A.-based, Los Angeles-based. And so it would be like, okay, everybody meet at Jay's Shell Station at 7 a.m. on Saturday and we'll ride through the crest and blah, blah, blah. And how many people show up for something like this? Uh, between 6 and 35. Really? The list had a couple thousand people on it. Uh-huh. And so uh, my boyfriend started showing up every time I said, oh, I'll be on that ride or I'll be at that dinner or we had a lot of events. And he just started showing up. And uh, finally, a mutual friend of ours kicked me in the butt and said, hey, the reason he's showing up is because you said you were going to come. <laughs> Duh. So, And I'm freelance, and I travel a lot, so I would always say I'm going to try to be there. And I only yes. made it maybe half the time, but he would show up anyway. So this poor guy had to go to all these crazy meetings and the outside he chance did. that he might see Regina. And at the time, he lived 80 miles away. He has oh since moved Lord. into town. And so I finally got a clue because at that point I was kind of over everything and just really happy and then he asked me out to dinner, and I started to say I was on hiatus, but what came out was, yes, I'd love to. <laughs> and we've been together for two years. Well, there are probably a lot of shy guys out there like your boyfriend. He's, he's an engineer. Oh, there you go. Introverted. And right. what was kind of funny was I had already liked him because we both would post to this email discussion group about motorcycles and about our hobbies and things we like. So I felt like I already kind of knew him. I'd seen him on that list for about a year. He never got into a flame war with anybody. He had... Are, are t tell us about the flame wars. Oh, uh, so that, you know, a bunch of bikers get together. People would get really going on politics or somebody preferred a Suzuki to a Ducati and so someone else <laughs> would say, oh, you're an idiot and it would just it would just explode into this big argument and mostly it was just people very much enjoying spouting off whatever they wanted. And this is all in a chat room? Uh, it was just email. So Just every time someone sent one email to the group, we all would get it. Right. And it wasn't a dating group, but there are several married couples who met there and several couples who met there. And there was one girl who pretty much dated and dumped a good dozen wow. <laughs> of the other bikers. Wow. So, so I guess the guys are warned about her. You know, be careful with this woman. Yeah. She's uh, dangerous. She's dynamite. Uh, you may end up having your heart well, explode. Depends on what you want, though. Well, there I you mean, go. I mean, if you're thinking, ooh, I'd love to, because she was gorgeous. She is still gorgeous. You know, you want right. to date her for a couple months and get dumped. Sounds like a perfect <laughs> little package to me. <laughs> you know, we should start a website like that, Regina, of people that like date to dump, and dump. people. <laughs> Dateanddump.com. I wonder if that URL is taken. I mean, we could make some money on that one, huh? <laughs> How do you recommend that a single person find what they're looking for today? You mean in love? Or whatever. Or you just but, mean but, yeah, eBay. <laughs> eBay, right. But, but no, specifically if they're looking yeah. for a romantic partner, what do you recommend? I recommend being a little more relaxed. Don't let the television just, all these stories keep coming up. Oh, how do you know who's really coming to your door when you meet them online? It's like, well, they yes. don't come to your door till you've met them in public places a couple of times and learned right. their full names and Googled them and maybe called their sister. I mean, <laughs> so be smart, but relax and don't take it personally. If someone you met online and you seem to hit it off an email and you go meet 
and the other person is kind of like, uh, well, good luck, never mind. Just kind of lower the expectations. I don't know. And not lower, change your expectations that it might take some time, but it's worth it. And be open to, you know, you get these forms because it's all a database, so they love it. It's like, you know, I, I want someone who is between 5'7 and 5'7 and a half, who weighs 150 to 162 pounds, and he has right. to have red or blonde hair, but certainly not auburn, you know. I yes. mean, oh, let go. And then be honest. Be honest and trust other people to be honest, because if they're not, it becomes clear pretty quickly. Most people cannot sustain a complete alternate personality or alternate lying existence for very long consistently. Well, it's impossible to have an intimate relationship if you're not honest with somebody. Exactly. And of course, let's talk a little bit about that because there's a lot in the news media about all the liars on the internet, you know, all the guys that claim to be six foot two and 180 pounds of, of rock muscle, rock solid muscle, and you know, they're all earning, you know, $500,000 a year, <laughs> and then you meet the guy and he's a little fat bald guy who's on welfare. Uh, how much uh, dishonesty do you see out there in cyberspace in terms of single people interacting? You know, when I was online dating and when I was in the chat room, I saw a lot of honesty. I mean, going on the internet does not make you a different person. It's the same percentage as our dishonest or honest offline. However, right. people do feel a pressure to present um, what they think the other person is going to like. So you do have people exaggerating. Um, men tend to make themselves taller, fitter, and younger. And women tend to make themselves thinner and younger. <laughs> right. And the men, of course, make themselves wealthier. It's amazing how many doctors and lawyers and internet multimillionaires are there in cyberspace. I mean, there seem to be millions of them out there. Well, there should be for the internet millionaires because that's where they <laughs> live. And as for doctors right. and lawyers, that is a very busy, high-pressured profession, yes. which does make it difficult to meet peers. Well, supposedly all the doctors date their nurses, so I don't think it's that hard for them to find somebody. <laughs> well, it depends. You know, there's the girls you date, and then there's the girl you want to marry. So in terms of honesty, dishonesty, a percentage in online dating, I, I think it's a group phenomenon that everybody... The people who do that are doing that because they think they're not going to get your attention unless they do that. You know, it's not so much that they're going out there on purpose to lie. Right. They're more insecure, and they're hoping that once you meet me and once you chat with me a little bit and once we go out for a latte for that first 20 minutes, you know, are we sexually attracted to each other first date? Maybe then my personality and my sense of humor will compensate for the fact that I added two inches to my height. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't know. I was always dead honest on everything um, but weight. And my reason for that is not because I was trying to pretend I was thinner or whatever than I was, but it's because I have a very busty figure and if I put my weight people would just assume that I was huge when really it's all in my boobs <laughs> so I just didn't put it <laughs> well right well it's kind of like those football players out there if the guy puts down 250 pounds right. people are gonna think oh my god this guy is a big fat guy it turns out of course it's 250 pounds of solid muscle and the guy's a hunk Exactly, and I, I carry the 12-pound boob advantage. <laughs> um, but I think people have to be really careful about their assumptions because you can look at six people who are the same height and weight, and they'll all look completely different. Yes. You know, And you can even take two women next to each other who both wear a size 10 or size 12, right. and one of them can be 5'8 and 140 pounds, which is just right, and the other one can be 5'2 
and yet they wear the same clothes. Interesting. The same size clothes. So you just you can't believe that. Well, you know what they say about statistics, Regina. Exactly. Statistics lie. Well, you know, just take a recent picture and put it up. Right. And have a good close-up face shot so they can see your eyes, and then a good body shot so they can see your, um, you know, like you on a hiking trail or something like that. And yes. That should take care of that. Well, you know, it's amazing the poor quality you find sometimes of photos on the Internet and some of the dating websites. that I people that, that they just don't take the time to have some good shots, and then they wonder why they get such poor results that makes Exactly. That makes no sense to me. Or they fill out all of the checkboxes on the profile, but in the yeah. essay they write, I want to meet a girl who likes to go to the beach. <laughs> I'm like, well, who doesn't like to go to the beach? Right, you know, right. I mean, that's where there are actually services now that will help you they will interview you and they will pull out of you. Okay, you like to go to the beach. Why? What do you yes. like about the beach? Is it the sun? Is it the freedom? Are you a surfer? And, and they pull that, that stuff out and the person's going, oh, yeah. And at the end, you're going, wow, I am interesting. Huh. But they just didn't know how to express it. And so you right. can hire these consultants that will help you. I don't know. Some of them will actually write the ad for you. But a lot of times it's just to help you write something that may get the attention from the right person instead of a hundred people who surf by and go, eh. How is your book different from all the other dating books? You know, there are literally ah. hundreds of these dating books out there. What's different about yours? My book is not a dating book. Okay, that makes it different. Yeah, because I thought, well, you know, that's been covered. Yes. I have one chapter about online dating where I go beyond the, it's not a how to do it. It's more of a you have more options than you would think from reading everything else and, you know, kind of a this is what it means for us as individuals, for us as a society and that kind of thing. But right. my book goes more into the uh, kind of a cross-section or the whole realm of sex tech from everyday technology like cell phones, email, instant message and how that can ramp up, you know, keep the fires burning, how to use that in a relationship or in flirting all the way through online pornography, and all the way through how technology has changed breaking up and yes. what it means when you have a hot and heavy year-long relationship and you break up and you realize, I have 1,200 emails <laughs> to and from that person, and it's archived on your computer. I mean, what? Wow. just things like that. And my book is um, it's The Sexual Revolution 2.0, so it's right. talking about we are in the midst of a revolution that is changing relationships as much or even more than the birth control pill did in the 60s. Amazing. Yeah. One last question, Regina. Mm -hmm. How can people contact you and order your book, The Sexual Revolution 2.0? Oh, what a great question. <laughs> they can go to reginalynn.com. Well, that's easy. And I have all the information about the book and about uh, the column that I write for Wired and you know different things that I'm doing, but it is reginalynn.com. Excellent. I would like to thank my guest, Regina Lynn. Single Living is a production of the Singles Podcasting Network in San Rafael, California. If you have any comments or suggestions about single living, feel free to email us at comments at singlespodcastingnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us today. Until next time, this is your host, Rich Goss.